this place on the internet could be a time capsule for all the nostalgia that we would think we would feel. I honestly would love if like there was a study done for people our age, like go back like five years on your Tumblr Mm. and see if all those things you said you were going to be nostalgic for, you actually are. I'm going to probably say no, because Mm. the way that we romanticize like romantic relationships in college or friendships in college or just, you know, like anything, you know, I don't really think that you understand what it is until you're in it. And then you realize it's not romantic at all. Yeah. It's just life. Hi, I'm Hannah Rose Sturgis. I'm 22, I just graduated college, and I obsess over time a lot. So I decided to make In Good Time, a weekly newsletter and podcast diving into the time and life and growth and art and really whatever time relates to. For the first week, I wanted to talk about nostalgia. It seemed important because it's been hovering over me since I graduated that I'm supposed to feel nostalgic for college, but my feelings about it are a little bit more complicated than that. To talk about nostalgia and graduating college, I called up my friend, Arielle Santicarma, who is an anthropologist and spends a lot of time investigating how the past is always tied to the present. We talked about whether nostalgia is good for you, our Tumblr eras, and why we get so hung up on the past. Enjoy. Thank you, Arielle Santicarma, for joining me on the very first installment of the In Good Time podcast. Um, I like couldn't think of a better first guest, and... For those of you at home who don't yet know Ariel Santicarma, you will very soon. Um, Ariel Santicarma is a fellow GW alum. We've known each other since freshman year. We were living out on the Mount Vernon campus in the woods. And now she's going to Yale University as an anthropology PhD student. Um, and she's just, she's just so smart. And I wanted to have, I'm glad that you accepted my invitation to do this because I know that like you understand this conflict that we're talking about this week of feeling nostalgic Mm. but then also feeling like you can be in the present and whether or not nostalgia is an emotion that we can exist in for any amount of time that's healthy Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you just said something before I started recording of course that was really brilliant (laughs) so if you want to repeat that word for word yeah no I'm just like reflecting on the fact that we're both alum and there's certainly like a nostalgia for the past but I'm also so happy that we're at this point like so I'm, I'm just like really having like a, a moment of like wow like we are here um and I think that sense of being present is something that's so fleeting and rare for me and I, what I was saying before is that like you and I were talking earlier about how so much of our like teen years and even now is like you listen to Olivia Rodrigo's album right like every moment of the present is ruptured by an obsession for the past whether it's like our interest or the way that the the past calls us into this moment right here how it shapes us how the wound lives as I like to think of it um but it's funny to be in this moment of like graduation and this kind of like um like rite of passage from young adulthood to like real adulthood or whatever where there's just different expectations that are placed on you and I almost feel like even though I'm in the present like I'm constantly aware of like there's a sense of nostalgia for the present at the same time Mm -hmm. um even as I'm living it so when you say like 
my just my introduction and you ask me if that's correct I'm like wow like that is correct like who is that you know it's a sense of it's almost it's not like disembodiment but it's almost like being outside of your body like looking in no um, even though you're in this present moment and yeah. I think that is kind of a product of like the way that we've grown up on the internet and how like you're kind of taught to tune your eye to each moment of your life to imagine it from like another angle or like a bird's eye view or a camera or some other perspective like you're always kind of channeling the present through like how you can capture and then and then re recirculate it right on like Instagram or, or TikTok and I feel like in a way like it teaches us to view the present as as something already like something already like rich with nostalgia the present's already a memory yeah like I feel a sense of like alienation from it even now not in a bad way at all but um I'm just like noticing that as you that's like no in my body even as you so true because it's like I mean if you think about every social media app that we have now or that we grew up with like will give you memories um it's like oh three years ago this is what you were doing um and like everything is like coded to like a certain time that you're supposed to like remember and sometimes I think like I very deliberately don't really post when I'm like doing things Hmm. I like almost never huh yeah like in the moment in the moment yeah like I will post like five hours later about what I did Hmm. this morning Hmm. or I just won't post it at all because I feel like if I do post in the moment it just instantly becomes a memory. But it's funny that you say that it felt like, like sometimes like this graduation period, you know, we graduated like half, like two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks. And which is literally, oh my gosh. I know. Almost to the minute. Okay, that's crazy. I'm recording this almost to the minute. <laughs> um, and we, like I was sitting literally in my apartment here, close to campus with my family as I watched them like, you know, confer our degrees and I didn't feel like I was here. Mm. I felt like I was like 10 years away. Mm. I don't know if, and it's not that I didn't enjoy it. It was just like, I really did not feel present because I feel like these big moments were always taught like, oh, the memories, the memories, the memories. I really am trying to reinforce in my own life, like the present, the present, the present. Like, just live in it. Don't worry if you got a million pictures. Don't worry if, you know, you're going to like the outfit you wore. Like, I'm, like, does it doesn't matter. Like, did you like the outfits you wore when you were in 2011? No. <laughs> Actually, kind of I did. But, like, you, you have to move, you have to move past this idea that, like, the past is perfect. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and I wrote this um, in the blog post, like, the reason someone told me this, the reason we think the past is perfect is because it doesn't change. It can't change. Let's just dive into Tumblr. Yeah. This, we're going to, we're going to be the FBI investigating Tumblr right now. Okay. I know what your Tumblr feed was like. I just looked it over and frankly <laughs> to everyone who's listening, Ariel is exact. Like after you've listened so far of what she's talked about, like you, you know what her Tumblr feed looks like. It was, <laughs> it was perfect. It was like so good. Um, but can you explain to me, like, how you, like, were you actively curating this at, like, 15 years old? Yeah. Um, um, and I feel like you did have a lot of nostalgic reblogs. It was a lot mm-hmm. of, like, yeah, art and, like, 
classical things and things like that yeah so when I was like 15 or 16 um thinking back it was it was always like a little curated to be honest Mm -hmm. because I think I remember okay so I had a best friend um in middle school um high school and even to like today we're still very good friends she's one of the oldest friends I've ever had actually um but she's a Leo and (laughs) Leo's and Aquarius is our sister sign and something that I love about Leo's are that I think they bring out especially in me and as an Aquarius the like I feel like we both have this sense of like we enjoy the artistry and the craft of like curating something I think Mm -hmm. sometimes teen girls in particular are so slandered for like the desire to like make things beautiful or to do anything yeah I'm flower farming now and I put in all this labor just to create something that only exists to be beautiful um and so I think I see it kind of like that where I did have it curated and it was a way I think of um of like and like I don't know if it's like enacting control or something over the beauty of my life around me and just picking out things so that it's like a bouquet right Mm. and then finally you have this gorgeous like at each iterative level like each post that you reblog is beautiful or like aesthetically beautiful to you whatever your taste is um but then on a grand scheme of things you see them all together and you see how these colors fit together and these moods or ideas or themes we go back to the earliest date like when I, I guess I got mine in like 2012 I was 13. I literally remember the moment I made my account. I was so excited. My first post was literally being being like, hi, I'm Hannah. I I, I want to be a writer, but I just need to find a publisher. Like, that's all I have to do. Like, literally, and I was like, I'm like, I'm also an actor. I had never acted in anything at that point. <laughs> okay, so I was just manifesting. I didn't even know what manifesting oh, was. I just simply believed in myself, um, which that's great. Um, it was, I actually like really like almost cried when I read that. Cause I was like, how did I even know these are the things I wanted? Mm. It's also funny cause not, that my desires haven't really much changed, but what has changed is like, I loved like eighties movies growing up. I don't know if you were like into mm. like John Hughes movies. I really, I love Molly Ringwald. Um, mm. And but I would watch those movies and be like, oh my gosh, those, like, I feel those feelings, but their feelings are so much better than mine. Mm. Or like their clothes are so much better. Like, their clothes were not much better. <laughs> it was like, they were, they were very much wearing flower skirts the same way that we, like everything is reinterpreted in a new time. Like we weren't doing that much different stuff. Yeah. And I feel like I'd talk to my mom and be like, oh, I would always talk to her. Like, what was it like when you were in high school in the eighties? And she was like, I don't know. It wasn't, wasn't anything, wasn't anything and I hated when she would say it wasn't anything special mm. it, it, had, it had to be I needed it to be because yeah. I had to believe that like it, that it was something better than this but I don't know like I I so badly wanted things from the past to be better than my present mm. and I felt like Tumblr was feeding me that every day you know, mm-hmm. things of pictures of Marilyn Monroe, old movie clips, you know, oh, I just love how he looks at her, you know, even though like we looking through that, me today, be like, that's sexist, that's racist, that's mm-hmm. there's so many different, you know, nuances that I understand now as a 22 year old woman, that as a 13 year old girl seemed perfectly just like how things should be or would be. I don't think that we understand reality 
when we are only seeing when we when we think reality is online that's what I really like had to figure out as a kid I had to eventually decide I was like reality isn't happening here Mm. probably when I moved away from really posting on my tumblr I stopped really posting I just like would scroll I found Mm. that far more enjoyable than me having to like post something and say something along with it I didn't want to say anything I just wanted to experience Mm, experience Um, yeah yes um but yeah even on TikTok now (laughs) there's like trends of like oh my gosh I'm gonna dress up as like a 2014 tumblr girl and it's you know the outfit it's literally a a striped white and black t-shirt from forever 21 I had one everyone I knew had one terrible it's like it's like the wrong color denim shorts. Like they're, they don't, they're not a good like rinse of denim. <laughs> and it, it's black tights, you know, like some, like some, you know, tights and then black combat boots. If you're mm. unlucky, maybe you have the brown ones. Okay. No, too. I had the brown ones. <laughs> Me too. Me too. But honestly, I embraced the brown ones. So I was like, at least I'm different. I was more, I was earthy. I was, I was a very, I was, yeah, I was earthy. Going back to something that you said earlier, if I may, Mm -hmm. um, when you talked about how, like, your Tumblr, yes, it was a way of, like, kind of engaging in, like, escapism almost and, like, a romanticization of the past in order to, like, survive this present moment. I think it's actually, and and how that's separated from reality, right, and kind of, like, confronting it and being like, wow, this is so separate from what what is reality and Mm -hmm. like as a young woman I need to actually learn how to function in reality as well as this kind of space um I think at the same time it's so fascinating to think about how you were saying like 13 14 year old Hannah was on your tumblr space which is your like digital domain like your url right like you don't like all that matters is how you feel about it. Like you're not doing this for followers or whatever for you to be able to say like, I am an actor Mm -hmm. and I'm a writer. I need a publisher. Like it's kind of like the beauty of it too, is the suspension from reality. It's almost like a speculative act, like a speculative fiction. Um, And that's kind of how I view like Tumblr in that way. I think that's what I'm trying to get at is that yes, it is separated from reality but it was also the space that I think we needed in a way Mm -hmm. um and of course there's toxic like I'm that's a whole separate part of this conversation but it was a way for us to kind of liberate our imaginations of what is here and now or even was or is um to the possibilities of what could be Mm uh and what that would look like which I think is really important um just like being able to again suspend our expectations, suspend what we think we know, um, so that we can imagine a different life for ourselves. I think as young women, that's so uh, difficult to do. Um, it's really difficult to kind of liberate your vision of the world from the material kind of like oppressive, dominating forces that like try to shape your thinking and your body and in this way now tumblr can be a part of that of course because it's a medium just like any social media right so any medium can can um channel information that is just a part of like dominant culture and um oppressive systems but i think there is something about the affordance of like being able to put together your own images and your own blog under your own url um without 
of course all of this was free too which is like also rare um being able to like have that curate it the way that you want to and like suspend reality and say whatever like I am Hannah I am a writer I am an actress and it's true because that was a seed of you that was real like that's not not reality do you know what I mean so in a way it's like speculative fiction of like kind of Octavia Butler's like um how she uh like predicts the future like her politics of that you know Mm -hmm. it's like a way of like curating all of these things so that you can kind of predict a possibility for yourself based off of what is what you know is real at the same time like I think those are always in meaning I think the digital and what we call the real world are always like actually so entangled I don't I think we in this digital culture tried to kind of say like separate like digital world zoom versus real life when something that my research and my community work has been trying to do is like actually integrating those things and realizing that there's just as many meaningful connections that can happen via the digital as like the so-called physical or material world does nostalgia act as like a way for us to feel more excited about the future I think that's like kind of how it worked for us Mm -hmm. yeah I don't you know, I don't think nostalgia is intrinsically liberatory. Yeah. But I think that there's something about our longings mm. for something past or something gone, um, which ruptures our present and not only, not always rupturing our present in a way which is violent or jarring or uh, disruptive. I think the past continues to haunt our present in a way that like shapes our bodies or against us toward like this future where our longings are possible but yeah I think yearning is such an interesting emotion because it just I think it feels incredibly uncomfortable for a young person mm-hmm. to want something that you can't have um and to not eat, like yearning is more than than wanting something it's 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 like needing it. it's like feeling it it's like all the, the things of feeling something and then just not having it um And you can yearn for anything, really. Like you could yearn, like right now I'm yearning for some ice cream. I will go get ice cream. But for right now, I would love to be eating it. And then like you maximize that by like a thousand and you know, you're 14 on Tumblr and you want, you know, this picture perfect life and you want this picture perfect experience in high school and college with love relationships and friend relationships and I and it's I feel like that is why but then like the wisdom of age reminds you that like none of that is real Mm. or or if it is real it's far more complicated than you ever really expect it to be do you mean like the kind of visions that you imagine as a result of being in a position to yearn yeah yeah. Like when you're in a yeah, when you're in a position to yearn, your 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 imagination is limitless. We talked about this. Like your imagination is limitless. So of course you're yearning for the past because that's all that's ever happened. You're yeah. in the present, you have no idea what the future is, and the future is scary. Maybe what I'm trying to say right now is like the reason I'm so hung up on nostalgia right now is because I'm not nostalgic for college anymore. Me neither. I only want the future. I know. Not really. Yeah. And I think it's because we were robbed 
okay maybe I shouldn't say rob that's a bit no that's actually a key word that keeps coming up in my research about the pandemic is the word yes. like it like college ended way before it actually ended do you agree yeah yeah and I think I saw the end before it was even ending like I mm-hmm. even as it was beginning I was already over it kind of like as we're talking about like yeah. the complicated like or complicating time right like even as I was in it and enjoying it I could already I was like nostalgic for a future almost like the future was also haunting me as like a possibility and I I feel like I almost didn't enjoy the present enough no I feel Um, that because yeah like I was nostalgic for all the things that had happened to other people like even when I got into GW I started like looking at people's Instagrams I'm like oh look look at the look at the uh, current freshman I'm like oh my gosh I'm gonna love it when I get to do like spring fling or like what all the little events that we did yeah yeah and then like those things came and they were fun but it was never as good as the feeling of yearning yeah yeah (laughs) it feels yearning. it feels so good yeah and I all I can do right now is yearn for someone to give me a job so I can (laughs) live in New York City that's key you need like the material there's a certain level to which you need to be like materially tied in to what you need, which yeah. is different than what you desire or yearn for. And I, that's why I think it, yearning is just one part of an ecosystem of being. Like, I feel like it's still, even that like Tumblr, like 13 year old, like yearning, like romanticizing these pictures, like traveling, like whatever, like these, these imaginations that we have. I still see that as a really sacred part of the process of it, especially in college, especially when you're preoccupied with a different reality as you're living in the present and it blocks you from living in the present, there's of course a cost, right? But I also think that it's something that for us, especially at like a PWI and such a large school and not like still figuring out who we were, like there was something kind of sacred and necessary about that period of yearning as we were in it, you know? Um, And I think now I'm reaching a point where I'm like ready to be in the present. Like I don't, I don't want to relive the past. If someone asked me if I could like redo the past like eight years of my life, I would never do that, right? But there's things about the past that continue to come up that become kind of like obsessions. Um, and that's what I think about like with history too. Um, I think I think in the West, we have a tendency to disembody the past from our present and from the future and to view those as like three different temporal landscapes but what if they're overlapping all the time constantly right yeah, um, overlapping all the time constantly yeah it's just an ecosystem of it yeah like it's not everything but they're each playing a role in this like ecosystem of growing and understanding your place in the world and that's just like a, a part of it um not bad or good necessarily I believe um but just kind of is like nature just is right rocks just are so <laughs> I kind of see it in that way um and of course they become like or our perception of those things become gendered or raced or racialized um in certain ways like teen girls I think are very policed for nostalgia and yearning and desire and um but I see it as like a very sacred part of an ecosystem of of being like at different levels um and that's something I'm learning to integrate now as I move into like, or as I move through this kind of like liminal period of like graduation and then post-grad and all of that stuff. Um, 
I'm trying to hold all of those things at once in yeah. a way. Cause like, I mean, yeah, I think perhaps too, like, I think sometimes nostalgia when I feel it the most is about fear, right? Like yeah. is about the fear of moving on or like what happens when you move on. Mm. Um, I think that we're both in that kind of space where it's like, you know, there is nothing to do but to move. Like your mm. body cannot stay here. Your mind is already gone. Mm. All of your emotional ties can move and shift as you move and shift and that's okay. Um, and I, I think if I could go back and tell like 15 year old Hannah something, it'd be like, it is good to move on. It's positive. I think, I think like in a way at the end of the day, nostalgia is about recognizing um how time is like a circle right Mm. um like it's not good or bad we make fun of it and we might assume that it's a way of like expressing distaste for the present sure but time is a circle right like it is a circle in the way that water is wet like I think especially when we start to decolonize our sense of time like my people have always thought of it like that um and so I really resonate with like the idea that like time or like that nostalgia can be can be like a kind of temporal like survival mechanism. It can be a love letter. It can be a bouquet that you make out of your life, out of the little bits and pieces of your life, uh, which are beautiful and which have been and are and maybe will be. Um, and I think, yeah, I think it's beautiful in the sense that it requires us to remember, to remember the larger scope of something. Do you know what I mean? Um, And I don't think it's entirely separate from reality or the present necessarily. I think it's just, I don't know, it's just the way that we start to hold space for all of these contradictions and circles inside of us these cycles that go around and around and leave and then return kind of like in like a Balinese Hindu cosmology like the idea of both a creator and a destroyer both have to come entangled both have to be balanced and harmonious right like it's just a part of both and I think nostalgia is is a way that we make sense of of that co-creation between life and also destruction so Arielle and I both love poetry I would say a good 45% of our conversations are about a poem that we think is just amazing somewhere in this conversation we got to talking about how poets have the worst case of nostalgia and one poem full of nostalgia is Black Burying by Sylvia Plath I performed it when I was a poetry out loud state champion for Delaware in high school and it still hits today so the last stanza goes The only thing to come now is the sea. From between two hills, a sudden wind funnels at me, slapping its phantom laundry in my face. These hills are too green and sweet to have tasted salt. I follow the sheep path between them. The last hook brings me to the hill's northern face. When the face is orange rock, it looks out on nothing, nothing but a great space of white and pewter lights and a dim, like silversmiths beating and beating at an intractable metal. Uh, Are you kidding? Uh, sitting with that for a moment, yeah, just marinating. Ooh. 
I love the nothing. Nothing. Uh, that was my favorite part to perform in the, because I would perform this thing, like, you know, in front of this live audience. And I was always like, I honestly don't care. Like, this is the one poem that I've performed. I don't care if any of y'all like this. I love it. Like the nothing, nothing, like beating at an intractable metal. Like, that's what we do. We beat at intractable metals. Mm. We're desperate to find something. Mm. And sometimes there's nothing. <laughs> Poor <laughs> Sylvia. Everything, Hannah. There's the great expanse. There's a great that's expanse. Oh my that's, God. that's, again, what we're talking about with time, how nothing ever truly ends. Right. There's, there is nothingness, right. But in that space of nothingness, this pandemic, when I'm not doing shit, but sitting in my bedroom, there's still this great expanse, right. Which, which transcends right here, right now. It goes back to the end. It goes to the beginning of the story. It pulls different bits from each part. And all of that is this beautiful field in front of me, at least in my mind's eye. No, that was so wonderfully said. What you were saying about poetry and poets, just like really holding on uh, to the past and and that and nostalgia being such a rich kind of um, a rich source of inspiration and spark, like that spark that you need to really get going on a poem or to really to get going on an art piece. Yeah. Wong in um, one of his book talks at the Strand bookstore like this past year I think or maybe two years ago he says we are never really released from the obsessions which haunt us Literally. right and and I think in a way that's the work of nostalgia too that's where I think of again nostalgia as so many things at once as feeling so many purposes, like one tool of many in our ecosystem, which is a sacred part, right? And if you rely on it too much, it becomes, there always has to be a balance, right? Or a harmony, but it is a tool too. It is a tool. It is a tool. Thank you, Ariel Santi Karma, for being on this podcast. Thank you um, for having me. I'm so lucky to be able to like, touch lights with one another you know yes oh my gosh well until next time this is all in good time that's all the show i have for you today but before i go i want to leave you with a quote from the hit tv show watchmen a show ariel and i agree is just full of nostalgia nothing ever ends it's simple it's true and in a lot of ways right now it's pretty comforting for me This has been the In Good Time podcast. My name is Hannah Rose Sturgis. Be sure to listen, share, subscribe, and until next time, bye-bye.